Matthew chapter 13, begin with verse number 44. Matthew chapter 13, verse number 44. If you're there, say, I'm there. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. All right. Just for a few moments, I want to preach on the thought, the parables of the treasure and the pearl. Hidden truth in plain sight. Hidden truth in plain sight. And so this is our second sermon in the sermon series, The Parables of Jesus. And if you hadn't had a chance to listen to the first one, you can go online and listen to it. And so this is our second one, Hidden Truth in Plain Sight, as we talk about the parables of Jesus in the New Testament. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to You in the name of Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we thank You that You are with us. We thank You that You guide us and protect us. We pray that You would open up our ears, that we would hear Your Word. And I pray that everything that's said and everything that's done would bring You the glory and everyone shout a great big Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Like I said a few moments ago, we're continuing our sermon series on the parables of Jesus. And if you read the New Testament, you will find that Jesus... Uh, spoke in parables. Parables is a story. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus was very good at that. Jesus told stories because He wanted people to understand truth. The word parable means to lay alongside of. And so Jesus would use a familiar story or something that they could relate to, something in reality, and He would lay alongside of it a spiritual truth. So if he talked about a wedding or if he talked about farming, he would use something that happened in reality, happened in real life, and he would lay alongside of it a spiritual truth. And so that was really effective. And Jesus primarily spoke in parables. If you look at the New Testament, most of what he did was in parables. And I believe that there are two reasons why Jesus did that. There are two reasons why I believe that Jesus spoke in parables. Number one, Jesus wanted to reveal hidden truth because hidden truth was found in a story. And number two, He wanted to conceal truth because there were some people's hearts who were hardened and they would never hear truth. But those who were seeking and wanting to know truth, a parable would reveal a hidden truth. You know, the Bible says in Mark chapter number 4 and verse number 33, listen to the words of Jesus. He said this, or, or, or the writer said, and many such parables he spoke to them as they were able to hear it. But without it, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. Do you notice the phrase there? He spoke in parables to these people as they were willing or able to hear. As they were able to hear. Now, my friends, that's a powerful scripture. Because if you're not able to hear, then you're not going to be able to hear more. Did you hear it? If you're not able to hear, you will not be able to hear more. And so it is imperative that our hearing 
is correct. Because if you don't hear right, you won't discern right. You won't go in the right direction and you'll get wrong directions and end up at the wrong destination. So it's important that you hear right. There's a difference between hearing and actually listening. And Jesus is really making a point. I really want you to hear what I have to say here. And I want you to discern the truth that's found in this story. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at two short parables because I believe that both of these parables go together. The parable of the treasure and the parable of the pearl of great price. These two parables are very short, but they go together. And they are filled with a lot of truth. Now, it is very important, and I say this uh, because I, I really want you to understand, and, and, and I'm going to uh, bring out a few things that maybe you haven't heard before, or maybe you have heard before. So it's important that we open up our spiritual ears and we listen to what the hidden truth is inside of the story. Before I do that, I want to kind of recap to you the story that I just read to you. Let me just recap it to you so that we're all on the same page. You know, the first parable deals with the parable of the treasure. Everybody say, the treasure. And back in Jewish days, do you know what people used to do? People used to bury their treasures. And the reason that they did that is because they assumed it was safer than a bank. Because back then, there was a lot of wars. A lot of people died. And so the thing that they would do with their valuables, the thing that they would do with their treasures, is that they would bury it in the earth because they thought that that was safer than a bank just in case a war broke out, things were demolished, things were destroyed, at least their valuables were protected. But the problem with that is, if you died in the war, your secret went with you with, to the grave. You know what I'm saying? If you died in the war, your secret went to the grave, and nobody knew where your treasure was. Well, obviously, the man in the parable is probably plowing the ground. He's either digging up the ground or planting something. And as he's digging or planting, he noticed that he hit something, but it wasn't a rock. He hit something. He found a treasure. Can you imagine this man? He dug up the treasure, and when he found the treasure, he was astonished at what he found. And the Bible says he did something strange. He hid the treasure back into the ground, covered up, and went to his, his landowner and offered to the landowner, I want to buy the field. Now, obviously, the landowner had no idea that there was treasure in his field. But this man was smart enough to know that if I buy the field, I get the treasure. Can somebody say amen? And so guess what he did? That's exactly what he did. He went to the landowner and he sold everything he had just to buy the field. Why did he buy the field? Because he knew if he bought the field, he got the, the treasure. And so the Bible says he sold everything he had. He gave up everything he had just to get the treasure. Get that point, church. He gave up everything. He sold everything just to get the field so he can get to the treasure. The second story is about a merchant. A merchant is a man who uh, was in business, especially this type of man, was in business of dealing or selling pearls. And so that was a fine business to have because pearls was a rare commodity to have and pearls were usually given to the rich. The rich usually had the pearls. And so he was probably a wealthy businessman 
while the man who found the treasure was probably a poor man. And here is a rich man, a wealthy man, who's dealing with pearls, and he is probably traveling here, he's probably traveling there, and he's looking for pearls. And why is he looking for pearls? Because that's his business. He wants to sell pearls. He makes his livelihood or his, his livelihood by selling pearls. But the story tells us that this man found one pearl that was better than all the other pearls that he could ever found. As a matter of fact, the scripture says it is the pearl of great price. He found a pearl that was worth more than anything else. And as a matter of fact, you know what the Bible says? He gave up everything. He sold everything just to get the one pearl. Can you imagine that? He sold his home. He sold his possessions. He sold his material worth. He sold everything that he had just because he wanted the one pearl. Just the one pearl. In the other story, the guy sold everything he had just to get to the treasure. Do you see the connection between both of these stories? Now listen to Pastor this morning, because I believe that these parables have two interpretations this morning. Two interpretations. And I would not be a good pastor, and I certainly wouldn't be a good steward of the Word of God if I did not tell you correctly the Word of God. How many would agree with Pastor Josh that it is my responsibility to tell you the truth? All right, three uh, raise hands. I said, how many believe that it is my responsibility to tell you the truth? And how many would believe it's my responsibility to tell you the truth accurately? All right, and so what I want to do just for a few moments, I want to tell you two interpretations of this parable. Two interpretations. The first interpretation. Now, what do I mean by interpretation? It's the way it is viewed. It's, it's how somebody looks at it. And the very first interpretation is a correct interpretation. They're both correct interpretations, but I want to bring out both of them to you because I believe it is very beneficial to you. Now, get this. The first interpretation of this parables, of the parables. And we got to remember that Scripture interprets Scripture. Everybody say that with me. Scripture interprets Scripture. And that becomes a fallacy sometimes in the body of Christ. We want to take one Scripture and build a whole denomination upon it or a whole theology upon it, but you can't do that. You see, if this story that Jesus is telling, if it has a truth, which it does, that truth should be seen elsewhere in Scripture. Am I right? It should be seen elsewhere in Scripture. Sometimes we look at a story and it's applicable. We bring out things that applies to our life. That's not necessarily bad, but if we want to rightfully divide the word of truth, if the story has a truth, that truth is found elsewhere in Scripture. And this truth is found elsewhere in Scripture. So the first question we got to ask ourselves this morning is what is the treasure? What is the treasure that's in this story, this parable? Is it found somewhere else in the Bible? You don't have to turn there. I want you to listen to these scriptures that I'm going to read to you. The Bible says in Exodus 19 and verse 5, and I quote, Now therefore, if you heed, indeed obey my voice and keep my commandment, you will be my special treasure to me above all the people, for all of the earth is mine. You see, God said to Israel, His people, you are my treasure. The Bible says in Psalm 135 verse 4, David said it like this, For the Lord Himself has chosen Jacob for Himself 
Israel for his special what? Treasure. So what is the treasure that's found in the parable? The treasure, church, is Israel called out from among the world. It's Israel. Now why do I know that? Because this truth is found elsewhere in Scripture. And the Bible tells us that Jesus' plan and purpose was to be sent to the house of Israel. You are a Gentile. You have been grafted in. And so the words that Jesus spoke in the New Testament was primarily, the red words, was primarily to the Jews. And so if we're going to correctly divide, word, correctly interpret the Scripture, then we've got to understand the context. Jesus is talking to the Jewish people. He's talking to Israel. And the treasure here is the nation of Israel. So everybody shout with me, the treasure is Israel. Now what is the field? What is the field? Well, if you look at it, if you look at the Scripture before, there's a few scriptures before the parable I just read to you. Jesus explains to us in the same context what the field is. The Bible says in Matthew 13, verse 38, The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. So what is the world? Or what is the field? The field is the world. What is the treasure? The treasure is Israel. Somebody say that with me. The treasure is Israel. The field is the, the world. Now, in the context of the parable, who is the man? You remember in the story, the man found the treasure in the field? Who is the man? Well, the same scripture, the same context, Jesus describes in other parables who the man is. Matthew chapter 13, verse 37, Jesus said this, And he answered and said to them, Now this is a few verses before the parable I read to you. He said, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. So it's the Son of Man here that is the man. Jesus Christ is the man. So guess what? The treasure is Israel. The field is the world. And the man is Jesus. So if that is the truth that's found in the parable, we can thus say this. What is the truth? The truth is this, that Jesus gives up his heavenly privileges and his life to purchase the world for the sake of the treasure, which is his people, Israel. That's the truth. The truth of the story the truth of the story is that Jesus gives up his heavenly privileges. Jesus gives up his life. And why does Jesus give up his life? To purchase the field. And the field has the treasure, which is Israel. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now what about, what about the merchant? Who is the merchant in the story? You know the merchant who is seeking pearls? Who is the merchant in the story? I believe the merchant is Jesus Christ. Because the merchant was seeking pearls. He was trying to find pearls. He was in the business of finding pearls. And Jesus is in the business of saving people and rescuing people. The Bible says in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, and I quote, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus is the merchant. Jesus is the one that's seeking the pearls. The question is, 
what is the pearls? What does the pearl represent? I believe that the pearls represent the church because pearls are unique in nature, very unique in nature. And the Scripture tells us that the church of Jesus Christ is unique in nature. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, just like a pearl. It's special. His own special people, that, he would, that they would proclaim the praises of Him who called them out of darkness into His marvelous light. So who is the merchant? The merchant is Jesus. Who is the parable? Or who is the pearl? The pearl is the church. And the Bible says in the parable that the man purchased the pearls. And isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus purchased the church. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20, For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Jesus purchased the church with His blood. Jesus found the pearl. Jesus found the pearl. Where did He find it? He found it in the world. Jesus came to the world and found the pearls, which is the church, and redeemed the church with His own blood. What is the truth? The truth is that Jesus gave up His heavenly privileges to purchase and redeem the elect people called the church. That's what the parable's about. The first story is about Israel. He purchased Israel out of the world to be His treasure. The second story is about the church. He sought the pearl, which is the church, and to redeem the church and to buy the church back, the pearl. That's a wonderful interpretation. I want to give you another interpretation. Alright? Because you're scholars. You love the Word of God. And I'm not saying that as uh, scar. I'm not saying that to, you know, with an underlying point. I'm just, I mean, you love the Word. That's why you're here. And so I believe that you're able to go with me on this journey. Now, what is the second interpretation of this parable? I'm going to give you four points that will help you understand the second interpretation of this parable. Number one, we've got to ask ourselves the question, what is the kingdom of God? Jesus said, for the kingdom of God is like a man who found a treasure in the field. The question that we've got to ask ourselves, what is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? Because all throughout the New Testament, Jesus would use the phrase, the kingdom of God. Or Jesus would use the phrase, the kingdom of heaven. He would say, the kingdom of heaven is like this. Or the kingdom of God is like this. That is found throughout the pages of the Gospels. And we've got to explore the question, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is invisible and the kingdom of God is visible. Say that with me. The kingdom of God is visible and invisible. Number one, it is visible. The kingdom of God is visible, which is the rule and reign of Jesus Christ on the earth. Now, is Jesus ruling now? He's not ruling in the physical earth. One day, Jesus will return and Jesus will set up a kingdom. You see, when Jesus came the first time, all of His disciples, 
thought that Jesus was going to set up an earthly kingdom like David. Why like David? Because David was the only king who brought peace and prosperity for a long time. And they were longing for someone like David who would come and set up a kingdom on earth and they could have freedom and they could have liberty in their own land. But Jesus never came and established a physical kingdom. Jesus came and established a spiritual kingdom within them. Even when Jesus was being ascended to heaven, Jesus is going to heaven and Jesus is being caught up in a cloud. What was the question that the disciples asked Jesus? The disciples said, Lord, when are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? When are you going to establish your kingdom on earth? That was their concern. Why did Judas sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver? How can you sell your best friend for 30 pieces of silver? How can Peter take a sword and cut off the servant's ear? How can they do that when they spent three and a half years with him? They were perplexed and frustrated that Jesus was not setting up a physical kingdom on earth so that Jesus would overthrow the Romans and set up peace and prosperity on earth. That was the issue. And Jesus never did it. So Jesus will establish a physical kingdom in the new millennium. In the thousand-year millennium, after the battle of Armageddon, after we are raptured, after the seven years of great tribulation, after the battle of Armageddon, He will establish a thousand years on earth where Jesus will set up His kingdom in Israel and Jesus will be crowned king and you and I will be kings and priests and we will rule and reign with Jesus for a thousand years. That will be a visible kingdom. And that kingdom is not here yet. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 2, Jesus said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, it's not here yet, but the kingdom is coming. I'm going to do, I'm going to establish a physical kingdom. I am going to make a physical kingdom, but it's not here yet. Jesus also said this in Mark chapter 14, verse 25, and I quote, Surely I say to you, I will no longer drink of the vine, the fruit of the vine until that day, until I drink it with you in the kingdom of God. So Jesus will be a king. Jesus will establish a kingdom. He will rule in Israel, and you and I will rule and reign with Him. But the kingdom of God is not here yet. It is not visible yet. But the kingdom of God is invisible kind of like an oxymoron. It is invisible. What do I mean by that? When, I, when you look at the kingdom of God, it is invisible. It is the rule and reign of Jesus Christ in your life. It is the rule and reign of Jesus Christ in your life. So when you've accepted Jesus, and you're obedient to Jesus, and you're following Jesus, you let God's kingdom be manifested in you. Jesus said this, in Luke chapter 17, verse 21. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed the kingdom of God is within you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, and I quote, For the kingdom of God is not eating and is not drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
So the kingdom of God is visible. It one day will be established. But right now it's invisible. It's living within you. If you have Jesus in you, you've got the kingdom of God in you. I said, if you have Jesus in you, you've got the kingdom of God in you. The kingdom of God is in you. Anytime you love your neighbor, anytime you're generous, anytime you are the hands and feet of Jesus, you are demonstrating the kingdom of God among us. Number one, the kingdom is priceless in value. Your relationship with Jesus is priceless. Your relationship with Jesus is priceless. It's, 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 it's priceless in value. How do I know? The one man, the kingdom of God, is like a man who sold everything he had to get the treasure. The kingdom of God is like a man who seeks pearls, and when he finds the one pearl, he sells all that he has to get the one pearl. Your relationship with Jesus is so priceless that you should be willing to give it all up just for Jesus. Can I hear an amen? In other words, in both stories, in the story of the treasure and the story of the parable, in both stories, guess what happens? Both of these men, both of these men did a cost and benefit analysis. You know what they did? They placed the total worth of everything in their lives on one side. And the total value of what they found, the treasure and the pearl, on the other side. And they weighed it out. And they came to the conclusion that the benefits of possessing the treasure and the pearl outweighs everything in their life. So what do they do? They sell everything they give up everything and they run after the treasure and they run after the pearl. I want to let you know that there is nothing that could be compared to your relationship with Jesus. He is the treasure and He is the pearl of great price. Hallelujah! The Apostle Paul said it like this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. He says, But what things were gained to me, he says, these things I counted as lost for Christ. He says, whatever I have gained in this life, I counted as rubbish. I counted as a lost in my life. Even David said in Psalm 73 in verse 25, David said it like this. He said, who have I in heaven but you? And there is no one upon the earth that I desire but you. My flesh and my heart fell, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In other words, David said, Lord, you are my treasure. You are the pearl of great price. And I'm willing to give up anything and everything just to go after you. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something this morning. That Jesus is better than anything else in your life. Can I just say it again? I said Jesus is better than anything else in your life. Jesus is better than pleasure. He's better than possessions. He's better than positions. He's better than the relationships you yearn for. He's better than your comfort. 
He's better than your ease. He's better than any superhero you could ever imagine. He's better than Batman. He's better than Superman. He's better than Spider-Man. He's better than Iron Man. He's better than Wonder Woman. Jesus is better than anybody. He's better than your best relationship. He's better than your best vacation. He's better than all the angels. He's better than the prophets of the ages. He's better than Moses. He's better than the priesthood of Aaron. His blood is better than every bull and goat and lamb of the ages. His covenant is better than the old covenant in every way, in every turn, in every situation, in every season. Jesus is better. He's better. He is better than you could ever imagine. He's better than what you hope for. He's better than what you yearn for. He's better than what you ever asked for. Jesus is better. Well, I don't know about you, but could you lift your hands and say, I thank God He's much better. Oh, hallelujah. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have His riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses and lands. I'd rather be led by His nail-pierced hand than to be a king of a vast domain. Would be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything that the world affords today. I'd rather have Jesus. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. There is an anointing here this morning. Jesus, you are the treasure. You are the pearl of great price. We'd rather have you than anything. The kingdom is priceless in value. The kingdom is priceless in value. Hallelujah. How many would raise your hand and say, Pastor, Jesus is better. I haven't always been better, but I know Jesus is better. And aren't you thankful for His grace and His love today? Hallelujah. The kingdom is is priceless in value. The kingdom is discovered in two ways, isn't it? Get this, church. Notice the man who discovered the treasure. The Bible gives us the indication that the man discovered it by accident. He is out plowing the ground, he's out digging the ground, and the man finds the treasure by accident. Isn't that the way some people find the kingdom of God? Isn't that the way some people get saved? They find it because they stumbled upon it? Let me remind you, Saul wasn't seeking the kingdom of God. Saul of Tarsus was on his way to Damascus. And as he was on his way to kill Christians, he fell down because of a great light, and Jesus appeared to him. Saul stumbled upon the treasure. What about the Samaritan woman? The Samaritan woman wasn't looking for Jesus. She was looking for a drink of water. She went out on a hot day to go to the well to get a drink of water. And she stumbled upon the treasure who is Jesus. What about the man with the legion of demons? He wasn't searching for Jesus. Jesus was searching for him. You see, there are some people 
who stumble upon the kingdom. There are some people who not, who's not planning on coming into the kingdom and they stumble upon the treasure. But it doesn't matter where you stumbled upon the treasure. I'm thankful that He found us. What about the man who is searching for pearls? One man found the treasure by accident. The man that is the merchant, what did he do? He was seeking out pearls. There are some people who come into the kingdom of God because they are seeking God. What about the Ethiopian man in Acts chapter 8? The Bible says here he was in the chariot reading the prophet Isaiah when the preacher, the Philip, ran to the chariot, jumped on the chariot, was seated with him and explained to him what the prophet said. And what did the Ethiopian man do? He said, see, here is water. What hinders me to be baptized? And Philip said, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you may be. And the Bible says, the Ethiopian man said, I believe. And Philip baptized the man that day. You see, the Ethiopian man was searching for the kingdom. What about Lydia in Acts chapter 16? The Bible says that the Lord opened up her heart. The Lord led her to Paul. She was searching reading the prophets of the Old Testament. She was searching out truth and found it. She found the pearl of great price. What about the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16? Yet at the end of the story where Paul and Silas got a breakthrough, he knew he was going to die because his prisoners went free. And what did he do? The jailer said, the jailer went to kill himself. And Paul said, stop, stop. If you believe on Jesus... You will be saved. And what happened? The man was saved, him and his household. Zacchaeus climbed up on a sycamore tree to find out where Jesus is. He was seeking Jesus and he found the pearl of great price. You see, this story tells us there's two ways to enter the kingdom. You can stumble up on the kingdom not expecting it or you can search for the kingdom and find it. But the, prop, the, the thing that we got to understand is that it doesn't matter if you stumble upon the kingdom or if you search for the kingdom. I'm just glad I found the treasure. I'm glad I found the pearl of great price. How many can wave your hand and say, Pastor, I have found the treasure. I have found the pearl of great price. My friends, I have found the one that my soul longs for. I have found the one that my heart yearns for. I have found the well that never runs dry. I have found the fountain of living water. My friends, I have found the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. I have found the lover of my soul. I have found the fourth man in the fiery furnace. I have found the wisdom of the ages. I have found true food for my soul. I have found the light in the darkness. I have found the fullness of the Godhead. 
I have found the gate of heaven. I have found the pearl of great price. I have found the treasure of the ages. And I'm telling you that money can't buy it and fame can't reach it and education can't teach it. It is the fountain of living water. Millions, millions have testified that they have found Him. Or should I say He found them? Millions today can testify that I was a rebel, but now I'm righteous. I was a sinner, but now I'm a saint. I was a stranger, but now I'm a son. Millions have testified they have found the treasure and the pearl of great price. And can I ask this church that I pastor? Is there anybody that can wave their hand this morning and say, Pastor, I have found the water. I have found the oasis in the desert. I have found the fountain of living water. I have found the wisdom of all ages. I have found the lover of my soul. And I will never be the same ever again because He has transformed me and changed me. Is there anybody in the building that can wave your hand and say, I found Him. I have found the treasure and the pearl of great price. The kingdom is a source of great joy. The Bible says, when the man that found the treasure, he hid it again and went and sold all that he had for great joy. See, something happens in the life of a believer when Jesus is the center of your life. Joy is the flag which is flown from the castle of the heart when the king is in residence there. Acts chapter 8, verse 8, And there was great joy in the city. Luke 15, verse 10, Jesus said, Likewise I say unto you that in the presence of the angels there is joy over one sinner. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 1 Peter chapter 1, 8, Paul said, We don't see it yet, but we shall see, and we believe with rejoicing and joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm convinced that when you look at the Bible, there's different levels of joy. There's joy, great joy, exceeding great joy, and joy unspeakable, full of glory. Joy. Jesus said, my joy I give to you. Joy. Acts 8, 8. And there was great joy in the city. Acts chapter 2. And they saw the star and rejoiced with exceeding great joy. 1 Peter 1, 8. Yet I don't see him yet, but now I believe with joy unspeakable and full of glory. It parallels to the vision of, Zechariah, or the vision of Ezekiel. Ezekiel said, I saw a river coming down from the throne of God. I looked up and there's a river coming from the throne. And he said, I noticed that the river was at my ankles. And then I stepped out and the river got to my knees. 
He said, I walked out a little further and the river became to my hips. He said, as a matter of fact, I just went all out and it was a river I couldn't even swim in. Joy to my ankles. Great joy to my knees, parallel to the, to the water. He stepped out a little further and it was to his hips. Exceeding great joy. Ezekiel said, I went out a little further and I measured it and it was a river I couldn't even swim in. That's joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I want to let you know that some of us haven't experienced all the joy that God has for you. Some of you just got life insurance. You're glad you ain't going to hell. But there's a different level of joy that you can experience that's beyond this world that's better than any one-night rendezvous you could ever have. It's better than any joint you could ever smoke. It's better than anything you could put up in your veins. It's better than any drunken state you were ever in. This joy that I have is such joyful that even the world says it is only 9 o'clock. It's impossible for you to be drunk. These men are not drunk as you suppose, but they're filled with the Spirit. The kingdom must be personally appropriated. That means in both cases, they did something. They sold everything. I'm not saying that you've got to buy salvation. The parable is not about the details. The parable is about the main point. And the main point is they were willing to give it up just for the treasure and the parable, or the, the pearl. The point is, is they wanted it. They wanted the treasure. The point of it is they wanted the pearl. That's the point. And they were willing to do whatever that was necessary to obtain it. What about it, my friends? That's the parable of the treasure and of the pearl. Amen.